0: Yes. So something that isn't talked about a lot in our industry. Indeed. So. Indeed. It's uh, it's definitely an interesting topic because, you know, like myself, I, I'm married. I have two kids. I have a almost 16-year-old daughter and a 13-year-old son. And so it's like dealing with that dynamic of being a parent. And both my kids play competitive youth sports. So outside of school, you know, my son plays competitive uh, AAU basketball. My daughter's competitive AAU volleyball. And so – <clears throat> being a parent that misses games and misses tournaments and you know, but you're, you're like, man, I really wish you could be there. But I do things like, like I set myself up. So like this past summer between June 20th and today, I've only worked a total of two weeks, you know? So, and then, and then usually at Christmas time, I'll have at least a good six weeks off. Okay. So that I have that time with my kids and my, you know, and my wife and just cultivating the family, you know, and they've kind of, I've been in the industry almost 10 years and they've they've kind of, it's, it's kind of like everything's grown around that in our family. So it's, it's definitely an interesting dynamic and, you know, because I've seen families torn apart in this industry and I've seen people just be completely lost on what to do, you know, and just their going, you know, their, their mental status is just.
1: And I I think, Tex, we've already started the podcast, so we might as well just just keep going because, you know, we're kind of going a little bit upside down. But uh, Jamie Jacobs was in here before you were, and the topic that we were discussing was mental health and Mm -hmm. that mental health can affect you, you know, if you have anxiety or or depression or something that's clinical, this industry can compound that. Oh, agreed. But if you're like totally cool and, you know, no issues whatsoever, this industry can still cause problems because you have a family. You have obligations. You, you know, if you need to deal with something personally, you can't necessarily just clear your schedule. Like you have to, it's almost like you have to learn how to wrangle that. Indeed. So let's start with that. Like what, like what have you seen as as someone that's kind of a seasoned freelancer now? How do you deal with it? Having a wife and kids?
0: Well, um, you know, I, you mentioned Jamie and, and I met Jamie back when she worked at PRG and to see where she was then and some other things that she had gone through to where she is now, I mean, 180 degrees. I mean, she's much happier, much, you know, uh, just more of a nice, nicer person, I guess yeah. you would say. Just some, but, you know, I, I myself, when I first started in the industry, I had people tell me that I was kind of abrasive and, you know, just sometimes not nice to be around. And so I had to really check myself and listen to what people were telling me. You know, people that have been in the industry for a while just saying, you know, hey, just relax, just kick back, let people learn from what people are trying to tell you and uh you know dealing with that and 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 i think some of that frustration uh resulted was was kind of like a manifestation of what i was going through in my personal life being that when i first started in this industry i had previously had a painting business a quite successful painting business i did residential and and commercial repaints and i had at one time four full-time employees i had two two two-man crews running and gunning for me and then in 2009 i went from four guys and myself to myself within six or seven months Mm -hmm. so So it's it's just it was like a dramatic drop-off in business and then I had to take a a job with a company actually uh, collecting uh, cable bills like people be late on their cable bill and I'd have to knock on their door hey I got a work order here to turn your cable off can you pay the bill so we can get you keep your service and going from that to you know being my own boss having to show up and get berated by a guy every morning, how terrible we're doing this, that, and the other thing, and then go out and ask people for money that I never met before. And then uh, it was January of 2011, that company lost their contract with the cable company here in Orlando. And a friend of mine, Carl Coleman, who has been in the industry, had been in the industry for, I wanna say probably at least 15 years at the time, he'd done TV stuff, movie stuff, uh, he kinda, helped me out and got me in front of people uh, at the local 631 here in Orlando, uh, people at PR, uh, LMG and kind of real helped me kickstart a career in this industry. And then uh, Thanksgiving of that year, we were doing a show um, and uh, LMG had just got a bunch of LED. And he said, that's the future. He said, that's what you need to go after. And unfortunately, virtually almost two months to the day that he told me that he was killed in a motorcycle accident, yeah, I remember that. And, uh, and he was
1: almost home, right? Like he was- yeah, he
0: actually was just leaving his home, and um, he uh, was unfortunately killed by a woman that just wasn't paying attention to what she was doing, driving down the road. And I, I've known I knew Carl for over twenty years at that point. Yeah. Um, and it was really, uh, it was really kind of earth shattering. And and I kind of, from that point on, you know, every day, every show that I do, I always remember Carl because he was the one that kind of guided me into being an LED tech. And you know, some people at LMG, uh, Neil Morrison gave me a great, uh, great opportunity. Uh, Joel Rodriguez, who I consider my LED sensei, uh, helped me learn the ins and outs of LED troubleshooting, which is kind of the most important part of being an LED tech is being able to troubleshoot. And uh, I'm very, very grateful and thankful for those people.
1: And now your Tex the LED guy, right? <laughs> so, uh, but your tech. full name is Josh? Joshua
0: A. Texera is my proper name. Uh, Tex is a family nickname, has been. Uh, my father is, uh, my father and his brothers were first generation born in this country. Uh, both okay. my grandparents on my dad's side are from Portugal. And so uh, we have a... Uh, um, Every, doesn't matter if you're male or female, if they know you, it's Tex. Okay. So even to this day, my female cousins will be walking, hey, Tex,
1: you know, and it's just, it's so easy, just how it easy it is. to remember rolls off the tongue. I'm sorry? I said it's easy to remember rolls it off is. the tongue. It is.
0: And one of the things I learned uh, very early in this industry, especially if you're like a stagehand, like how I started out, people don't remember your name. They'll go, hey, hey, oh, hey. And I'm like, okay. Or sometimes
1: they give you a nickname that you're stuck with, too. Right? They do. You so come <laughs> up with your own, on your own terms, <laughs> <Yeah>. you know? <laughs>
0: And so being that my nickname was Tex, I started introducing myself as Tex. And people immediately would associate that with Texas. Oh, you from Texas? I'm like, no, actually, I'm from Massachusetts. And they're just like, you know, I say, don't worry. It's like a Forrest Gump moment, you know. They call him Tex because he's from Massachusetts, you know. So, but uh, people remembered it. And so, so and, how, I, and then I learned everybody is a guy, like you're an audio guy or a lighting guy. And so yeah, I was it, an LED guy, so I just text the LED And you know guy. what? It's
1: word association. So if you need an LED technician, it's like, oh, hey, who's a guy? Because we get that a lot. Like someone will say, hey, I need an LED tech. It's like, well, okay, text. It's easy to remember. There you yeah. go. Yeah. So... Um, before, you, how did you transition into live event production? You had mentioned that you had some previous jobs before and then kind of mm-hmm. after, you know, you're, you're kind of talking about you know, 2008, 2009, so that's an economic downturn, mm-hmm. Great Recession timeframe. So who got you your first gig? You know, what was the first show that you were on?
0: Uh, my, my friend Carl. Okay. Uh, Carl Coleman, he uh, got me in with uh,
1: 631. So you knew him outside of yes. the AV world.
0: Yes, I, I had known Carl. I moved to Florida from Massachusetts in May of 92, and I met Carl and his family shortly thereafter. Okay. Um, and uh, he got me in with, uh, with the local uh, State TN Union for a very big Walmart show and uh here locally and i just worked with the guys at lmg and they were very uh very responsive and very appreciative of the initiative that i took and the questions and the inquisitions that i was about hey how does this work how does that work and so that kind of set the precedent of me always wanting to learn and I, i i never i never had the mindset of staying a stagehand i always wanted to be a show tech that was always my goal in this industry and i've you know achieved that very rapidly and i um you know to some wonderful people were able to uh that i had mentioned previously you know neil yeah. Morrison, joel and
1: in a way you have to visualize who you want to be so obviously you're right. not going to just show up the show site and, and be the man or you know be in a lead position or set up the led in a lead type position but you can see that okay i want to be that person right and it's a small industry, so I want to make friends in that circle. I want to know that when I'm on show site, those are the people that I can rely on. Indeed. And then from there, you're learning how to put it all together. Indeed. So basically, you... And it's interesting because you know someone outside of the industry, and they basically recognize someone that has a good work ethic, which I think there's a lot of people that don't think they can do this because they're not technical, mm. but it's more about your work ethic. That's what gets you. Yeah, there. absolutely right. And, and your ability to handle stress, work long hours, you know, take cues on the fly. I mean, there's a lot of things you have to be able to do that you don't have to necessarily be technical. That, that's a, that almost is secondary and something that comes later.
0: Yeah, I, I would agree with you 100 um, percent. You don't. Uh, I didn't know anything about this industry when I started. I'm very mechanical in the fact that I like to work on my cars, my motorcycles, you know, different things. Pull th- I used to pull things apart, put things back together when I was a kid. And I always was, you know, especially like my bicycles and always fixing them and repairing them and cleaning them. And, and and it's just that desire to learn more. And as long as you have a base of, OK, well, that has to get done. So let me finish that and then let me find out what the next thing is. And being that say, what's next? What's next? Instead of being sitting there and waiting to be told what's next, you're always asking what's next. And because and and I teach my children this is that you have to be you have to have initiative, you have to show desire, you have to show that you want to be better and do differently. And I, I had a, I was having a conversation with my son the other day, and he had a really rough season this past season in basketball, uh, just a really bad coach, um, and it kind of really messed with his his uh, threw his, him off his game a little his, bit. threw off his game, threw him off, his, game, him. Threw him off his, his own confidence in himself. And um, there was a coach that we used to train with, and he told me, he said, you know, Coach, he goes, Dad, he goes, I want to go back with Coach Iron. He said, I don't care what team I play for. He goes, I learn the best with Coach Iron. And we've been back with Iron since, I want to say, late June, mm-hmm. and like leaps and bounds, leaps and bounds. He's just, his confidence level is back. And he said to me the other day, he goes, you know, Dad, he goes, if anyone wants to be good at basketball, they have to be obsessed with getting better. Every day being obsessed with getting better. You know, and it's just like my 12-year-old son, he's almost 13. That's what that's what is in his mind as far as basketball. So he doesn't sit there and play Fortnite for 3 or 4 hours. He didn't we don't even have a video game system. Okay. I refuse to get my let my kids have video game systems. I tell them go ride your bikes, go have fun with your friends. So him and his buddy Marco, they go out now when they don't want to play basketball. They grab their bikes and their fishing poles, and they look on Google Maps and they find a place to go fishing. They find some place they were they had good fishing at, or bad, you know, or they haven't fished yet, and they go and have fun, you
1: know. So having the sk- having the skills, obviously, your son Sorry. has a de- no has a desire, you know, to play basketball, but mentorship is important as well. Indeed. So do you see? You said that you had some good mentors, you know, when you were oh, at the yes. beginning of your career. Oh yes. Um, now that you've been doing this for a while, do you see other people that you recognize like, OK, that person I want to mentor or that person I want to work with to kind of bring them up? Because, you know, I've been there. I've done that. I want to extend that knowledge as well.
0: Oh, yeah. I'm, I've always been that way. I've always been the time. I, I've not been the like, this is mine. You can't play with my precious. Right. No. It's like there's plenty of work to go around for everybody. All, there's work all the time, everywhere. There's work, and I have people that I trust, and I've seen their skill set. There's people that, there's people that I've, that I've worked with, and that call me for, hey, I'm dealing with this, I'm dealing with that. Oh, do it this way. Think about it this way, and and uh, and those people, <laughs> excuse me, are people that I have in my, my quote unquote Rolodex mm-hmm. of fellow LED technicians that I, hey. I can't do this show. What do you think? Can you take this? And they take it and they run with it. And and I'm happy to I'm happy to help other people because other people you know, when, when you when you get to an area where you feel stuck in your life, having someone to be able to to talk with and to speak with and to just I guess mentor them in a way helps them and if we're not helping each other i mean that it's in my opinion it's human nature to help somebody to want to help somebody to be better mm-hmm. it's just we get in the way of thinking that we have to guard what we have so that nobody else can come in and take part of our uh, part of our pie you know i've never been that type of person i've always been hey you know I used to give my car, my Matchbox cars, my Hot Wheels cars
1: away when I was a kid. I give I used to give st- I still do. Just give stuff to people where people are in need. You kind of look at the knowledge as open source. If you exactly. can pass it on, exactly. it helps you out in a way. It should be reciprocal.
0: Yeah. It is. It 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 come, what you give out comes back to you, so.
1: So have you always been on the path of LED like once you you know your your friends and your mentors kind of showed you LED and they said it was the future? Have you always been uh been in that discipline? or have you done other things
0: well at at the time at the time that that took place with where carl said that to me and then uh you know neil uh offered me the opportunity to start learning led was i had been in the industry for about a year and so i started down that road but i was still you know um doing stuff with christie lights at their shop and you know doing a couple shows here in orlando as an assist and you know, learning, doing whatever I could, sets and strikes with PRG or, the, you know, with, uh, you know, different things through Merch Crew. Whenever they came up, I would do them. And then as I started to focus on LED, the opportunities started to come. So I would say it was probably a good, I was in the industry probably a good th- Three three and a half
1: years before LED became my main
0: focus, and that's all I
1: did. And what what's what have you seen like progression wise with LED? Because I remember like you know ten years ago, LED was really expensive. It was mm-hmm. bulky. It was heavy, and it was kind of a niche. You'd see it on some shows, but not most shows. Like auto shows, it was prevalent. Mm-hmm. Outdoor, uh, some corporate events, and then kind of over the last I don't know what it would be five six years. Right. It's really the footprint of LED has expanded and the cost of LED has gone down tremendously so instead of seeing uh, some small walls on a show you might see wall to wall LED right. you know like what's and, and what's that like as a technician having to scale i mean i'm sure you've done led installs that are 1000 plus tiles i have uh, and it seems to me as an outsider like it seems daunting because it's it's these you know building blocks that you put together but you know you have to take it down it's like you have to build a house and then you have to take it down right is it physically taxing or is it just like how do you roll into a show knowing okay i have to build 1200 tiles and it's got to be up trouble shot, you know and struck in less than five days and then by the way i have to do it again the next week <laughs> do you have to prepare mentally for that um and how often does that happen how often are that you doing these big led walls all the time yeah
0: i mean it's you know we just we just did that show in Miami you know and uh it wasn't a giant wall but it was challenging because we had the 90 degrees that we were working with we had the the curved ones that were on stage with the uh with your with with the uh the AT3s yep and uh which is you know great time it's always fun working with George um you know i've done 80 wide panel walls you know 80 wide you know 9 high and, and and the thing is one thing that i've noticed is that when i first started most everything was flown majority of the walls even like in ballrooms and different things of that nature and in you know in arenas everything well obviously arenas are always flown but now there's been a big transition everything's ground supported because it, it costs so much to fly everything
1: so we we keep having to buy on on the rental side we keep having to buy more and more ground support carts and, mm-hmm. and for a while we couldn't figure out why it was but it's because of the hotel rigging. The hotel right. rigging has gotten so expensive. Exactly. And obviously with LED, there's a lot of rigging involved. It's like, okay, let's just put this thing on the floor. Yeah. That's,
0: that's, that's the big, I mean, obviously the pixel pitch has come down. I, I think, in my opinion, I think it's gotten, you know, it's gotten to where people are requesting 2.5, 2.6 millimeter. And it's just like that That type of a panel, in my opinion, shouldn't be a travel panel, shouldn't be on the road because they can break so easily and you can have so many issues.
1: Well, that's the interesting but, thing about LED is if you look at it over the last 10 or 15 years, it started at higher pixel d- right. density. So it went from like 10 mil to 8 mil to 6 mil to 5 mil to 4 mil. And now we've gotten all the way down to on, on the corporate normal side. I'm not talking about like the 1.5 stuff right. that, that's really fragile to where it's kind of settled at like 2.5. Right. And I think now what's happening is it's settled. And now people are looking at this and it's like, you know, the right way to look at it is doing 2.5 on a giant ballroom show is a waste of time, money, and effort because there's the, you, the human eye can't see the pixels exactly unless you're up close. It's like if I put a 4K TV next to an HD TV and I sat you down a foot in front of it, you would see a difference. But if I put you back 10 feet, you're not going to see the difference. So now I think what people need to look at is Okay, what's, it's like a golf club, right? What's the right tool for the job? What's the right right golf club, club for the job? Okay, we need to do wall-to-wall LED. Okay, maybe four mil is perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. It's a high enough resolution. If you're doing a trade show booth and you need people really close or you're doing a smaller corporate event and you want to replace projectors, Okay, maybe 2.5, but, right. you know, 2.9, yes. and you probably see 3.9 looks fantastic. Yeah. But I, I think we got to the point, like, with projectors, we were kind of looking at it as like, okay, well, 20K is better than 10K, which it is. It's brighter. It looks better. But it's not necessarily like that with LED. A, LED is already plenty bright. It doesn't need to be any brighter than right. it is right now for the ballroom. <laughs> right. But now we're in this position where pixel density is, is not as necessary. Mm-hmm. So we've already kind of hit, hit the point of no return. What I kind of wonder now, like looking into the future, is now that we've got all these resolutions set up, is what's, what's the future look like for LED? Like, does it start moving into different markets? Does it start saturating more into projection? Because it's just, there's gonna be more and more of it out there, and Reynolds aging companies won't be replacing it as much. They might just be adding more product.
0: Well, I've, I've worked with several companies that they just, they bought LED. They're, and they told me, well, you know, I actually a show I just did here in Orlando. where They were, like, telling me that we're, we're a projection company, but we're buying LED this year. You know, we know that's the way to go. That's the future. And I, I think I, in moving forward, I think you're going to have a lot more creative uh, displays whether it's on, you know, a corporate event, on a stage show, obviously, you know, in a in a, um, a, an exhibit hall booth, you know, I mean, I was watching the VMAs the other night, and they had where the, the, the robotic arms where the walls came down, and they were just like on these crazy, I'm like holy crap i'm like trying to see the robotic wall and how it was moving the walls around or the, the robotic arms and how it was moving the wall it looked like it all was almost like a robotic arm that they used like on an automobile assembly plant right and they just designed an attachment to attach to the back of an led wall structure and just i was like man that's badass but seeing stuff like that the, the creative side like making like a uh you know a, a s wall or something i, I did a uh a show in uh nashville not that long uh, two years ago and it was for a travel industry and the uh company i worked for they created this giant guitar shape out of truss and we hung 3.9 panels from it and it just became a giant they you know the content went through all of it and it would like you know waving flag and stuff would go over and it was just the creative side of things i think is where it's going to it has to go.
1: Well, you probably notice this on show site more and more. Is is everything is going immersive? So you can't yes. bring, especially with millennials coming into the the workforce more and more, is you can't bring someone into a ballroom and make them watch a PowerPoint presentation. Especially right. when they have a phone in their pocket that they can start looking at. True. You have to try to get them away from the ultimate distraction. So you can't have someone walk into, uh, you know, two screens and a couple projectors. Now you can do amazing things with screens and projectors. Yes, LED can look boring. You know, here's your two LED screens and that's it. Like That's not that exciting, just put your PowerPoint presentation on it or your iMac. But you can use LED on its own or LED in projection to create an immersive environment at almost any budget level. And I think that the, the rental staging companies that are a little bit more future, that are kind of looking towards the future, um, are the ones that are figuring out how to integrate media servers mm-hmm. with LED and then getting creative with LED so that every show looks different. And when people walk in, I'm not just walking in to watch a presentation, Ultimately, that's what's going to happen, but I right. feel like I'm in this immersed environment. Someone sent me a picture this morning. Um, uh, and it, was cra- it was one of those things like you see, and you're like, oh, that's a great idea. It was, um, I think it was in Japan. They did a G20 summit out there. There's some sort of summit. Mm-hmm. So imagine these guys are sitting around in this you know, square, like this delegation, and in the middle was this LED screen that went you know, basically all four corners, and on that was the PowerPoint slides in front of each presentation presenter, um a countdown clock like all the information was there but then you have this pixel space that you could do anything with and i thought that was pretty amazing that is pretty cool that's not what i've never seen that done before that's a creative way to use led indeed so as an led technician it's you mentioned it kind of being the future product and it is it doesn't seem like that's going to go away anytime soon it just seems like it's going to get bigger and bigger
0: I, yeah, I, I believe it's going to get bigger and bigger. Obviously, it's going to get less expensive. And, and like I said, the more, like you said, that, that's a very creative way of having everybody involved all at the same time, being able to see it right in front of you on an LED screen, whether it's, you know, 0. 0.9 millimeter or whatever the, the, the pixel pitch is, being that, that close on a, on a, on a um, you know, a board of directors or what have you on, on that right. type of thing. And, I mean, it's being used more and more in movies. Uh, there was an ad for Indian Motorcycles recently where they used a comp- it was a, an LED background completely. They had like a screen up above and they had behind and it was, you know, it looked like you were on the the guy was on the road, well, virtual jumping on the
1: bike. Some of these movies are using it for a virtual set because yeah. you can't tell the difference. Yeah. Um, at NEB this year, I think it was uh, Disguise and Roe had a booth where they were using kind of that, you know, they had a newscaster there and there was a wall behind it, but when you saw it on the monitor, it looked it just looked like You know a normal graphic so you can use led for for a lot of different things
0: new it's the new new green
1: screen and it's and it's totally versatile
0: yeah and that that it kind of eliminates that oh i can see the line you know the uh like back in the day you know when you would see the the dull background and the the shiny person exactly the difference and it's uh yeah it's amazing what little light diodes can do
1: (laughs) so uh just out of curiosity you know we won't name any names on this but you know, with LED, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, right? Inherently, Indeed. you get tens of thousands of pixels sometimes on one LED panel. And you pr- you have the luxury of working for a lot of different companies, Yes, right? Um, so, when you, I'm sure you've seen things done the right way and the wrong way, and those ultimately affect your stress level and how a show goes in. Mm-hmm. So, what, what steps can people take to properly, to make sure that when they have LED on their show, it, it goes up well? Uh, everything's smooth, Every, you know, there's a good work, everybody understands what's going on. Like what's the right way to do LED and what's the wrong way to do LED? Or maybe we'll start out with the wrong way.
0: The wrong way to do LED is to rent from a company that doesn't take care of their gear. Right. <laughs> I had a show and my client, that I do a lot of work for, cross-rented from another company that had the same generation batch of LEDs. And oh, make sure you always rent the same batch LEDs? Pro tip, that's a pro tip. (laughs) Pro tip. Okay. And again, we (laughs) won't name names. For color correction, we won't name names. Yeah. Uh, And we had, I think we estimated that we changed out over 300 modules to make that show work. We had to actually take two columns off of the center wall, the outer columns. And then any panel that we, any panel we found a module with a pixel, a dead pixel on the bottom of the module, we swapped out virtually the entire, every module on the bottom of the wall. And it was a 21 wide and in the center, and it was nine wide on either side. So every module on that entire wall all the way across. Had a ba- had at least one bad pixel on the bottom on the bottom row of modules of the panels. It's, you know, it's really
1: difficult not to interrupt your, your your stream of thought here. But but one thing that's really difficult about about LED is it used to be uh, a product that was so expensive that only a few companies could really get into it. So those companies have the service technicians, they have the parts on the shelf, so they could they could put all that maintenance into right. keeping that stuff running. Now that everybody's kind of getting into it because they have to, I think some treat it almost like it's a projector or a speaker or a wireless mic, and it doesn't need to be QC'd. And obviously LED pixels go out very easily, parts break down, and if LED goes from show to show, you end up replacing more and more of those tiles. So would you say that that's the most time-consuming thing that you have to do on site?
0: Indeed. That that is the most time-consuming thing. Um, Aside from building the wall and dealing with, you know... Levels, making sure that everything's level as the wall goes up, and then dealing with the the weight distribution as the wall goes up. Because you know, at first you could be apexing, but then once you go towards the top, it could be veeing. You know, just depending on, on on how the thing is, on how the wall is built, depending on the weight. You know, uh, how the, your your counterbalance and things of that nature. Uh, I find that companies that are more on the rock and roll side really don't take care of their product as well as somebody that is more or largely corporate show which Which is understandable
1: because you're what you're farther away from the product, and you're not gonna see those pixels that are out
0: and I've actually had uh, I have friends that are quite wealthy and they I had one friend offer me a half million dollars to buy LED and to set up a business and he told me you run it you rent out the equipment you do I said look dude I said I appreciate it but I don't want that responsibility I don't want the responsibility of bringing that in, making sure that the pixels are fixed, and making sure that when a, a panels come in from a show, that we have enough panels to go out on the next show. And if we don't have a long enough, long enough turnaround time, I have to send them the modules out to get fixed. Who knows, you know, the, the client we buy them from, they can be backed up two, three weeks right. on repairs.
1: So obviously, quality control is very important. Oh, it's huge. But as far as um, planning, I mean, does it make sense to, I mean, when you're I'm sure there's companies where you go in a few days before and you're prepping and pulling it and label the cables and that's time and energy that I'm assuming really pays off on show site and that'd be more of the right way to do it.
0: For For sure. sure. For sure. And, and, and knowing that, that, you know, as well as the, you know, I did that for one particular company when they, they bought, uh, uh, a large amount of led for three different locations throughout the united states and whenever a show would go out whether i was on it or not they would have me come in and qc and and swap out dead modules or modules with dead pixels and you know i would hand them here you go and they would mail them out to get them repaired and that you know when you're when you bring in 200 panels or 300 panels and you lose seven or eight or nine panels you're gonna to have to be like, okay, well, what are we gonna do? This show that we're sending out has, you know, 220 panels, or it has, you know, who knows how much. Right. You know, that's that game that you play. Well, okay, well, we're gonna to have to get panels from here to bring them to this show. You know, from this location or from that location. I mean, and you understand what it's well, like. You know, the Vegas most difficult thing here, is so. it's
1: it's the batching. So it's like, yes. if you have a projector that goes down, it's like, okay, let's just find another 20k. Right. If you need more LED, you have to really look at, okay, what batch of LED that do we oh, have? Oh yeah. And it makes it really difficult from the purchasing side because like, do I buy enough? And when I buy it, do I, what other batches do I have access to? So it's very complicated. Um, But you seem to be handling it pretty well. So congratulations. Thank you. You seem like a low stress kind of guy, you know? Yeah.
0: I, I don't, you know, it's just, I've never, my dad has always been like super low key, real relaxed. I've always been the same way. Um, I shouldn't say always been the same way. My mom is just she sometimes just uh, you know she kind of freaks out at things, and I've learned to learn to let go of things and just be like you know what, today's today. We can live today right now. We can't worry about what happens a month down the road from now, six months out. Let's just and live show, in today, live in the moment. The Let's show experience always experience what's now. Yeah. The
1: show always happens.
0: It's like people take their camera their phones and they're like at a concert or they're seeing it, and somebody like, ah they're recording it, you know, and they're taking pictures and this that and the other thing. I don't do that anymore. I put my phone in my pocket and I sit there and I watch and I enjoy the fact that I'm here looking at this person being interviewed or this, you know, singer or movie star, whomever. And, and being in the moment and enjoying it.
1: You gotta be present in the moment. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, you wrote an article for us a few, I guess, it'd be months ago. Yeah. Um, for our Life of Live campaign, you know, we have uh, technicians kind of write articles about what you know their their career and what you know what what things are interesting. Right. So you wrote one, and it was called "An LED Tech Is a Lighting Tech, and Here's Why." <laughs> and I thought it was a really <laughs> interesting article. And Thank when you. I when I first saw it, I was like, I totally disagreed with it on face value. But then I started thinking about it, and it's like, well, you know, lighting has universes, right? LED, there's, there's a certain amount of channels or pixels that come out of each Correct. LED processor channel, right? Correct. Um, what, are the, what are the other things that make uh, LED more lighting than video? Um, building a wall.
0: Uh, somebody that, you know, is using a server, uh, uh, you know, like an E2. Or an S3, or a Spider, or you know what have you? They're, I mean, they're plugging in cables. They're putting up monitors and doing their thing, and they're setting up their world. Whereas an LED tech has to build the structure. You have to build the structure. You have to set the panels in place. You have to make sure that you have your your panel com- count or your fixture count correct based on the pixel size. Uh, based on the processing that you're using, because uh, NovaStar, you can use a full 655360 pixel count on each one of the ports in their processor. Brompton, it's not that way. Um, And eVision is different as well. Mm -hmm. So you have to come in with the understanding that, okay, this is how many processors we need, this is how many home runs we're gonna need, this is how many backups we're gonna need. And just having those things set in play, having an understanding of video is beneficial. However, the best LED text that I've encountered came out of the lighting, not out of video. So you can
1: almost uh, you, you can almost say that someone that was is a really solid Emmy would probably be a good LED tech. Oh, very easy because you're kind of taking those same. yes. I mean, look, I, you know being a vid- I've been in video my whole life, and it's like we don't have to pay as much attention to the CAD drawings. Like, I've, I've noticed, like, lighting guys know how to do CAD. There aren't a lot of video guys that know how to do CAD. Because in lighting, you really know need to know how to do AutoCAD. Which Correct. That's part of the deal. So to transition into LED, I I know some good LED techs, great LED techs, that used to be lighting, used to do lighting. I don't know a lot of people that did video and then transitioned into lighting. There are some projectionists to that LED. are doing that because, you know, you end up doing a lot of the same shows every year. And right. your client calls you and says, hey, that show that, that's – You know that you've been doing for the last 10 years is now led right so then you have to say well do i give it up or do i do i kind of retrain myself right you know but i do see your point you know because but it's it it, i guess what we have to look at is like maybe it's just its own discipline i believe it
0: is And, and i i think that's the the best way to look at it and and i've had clients that i've done shows for and they're like okay well during show you're gonna do playback or you're going to do this. And I'm like, okay, well, what if something goes wrong with the wall during show? What if, you know, one of the jumpers drops out? Or, you know, you oh, we'll just figure it, figure it out afterwards. I'm like, okay. It's probably I,
1: something I, you want to push back against. to say I, I try to. Yeah. I try
0: to at best, you know. and And I'm not, I'll be completely honest, you know, I'm not the best playback guy because I can fall asleep sometimes or I can zone out and... Think about other things, and and I've missed cues during, during rehearsals. Right. <laughs> but more, show but more often than,
1: than not, you're 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 at the you're you're there at the tech table. You know someone, and you're there just as the LED. Just backup. as the that's, LED. That's, tech, that's exactly. more of the That's not the. Uh, that's the rule, not the exception. That's the rule. Right?
0: Exactly. Exactly. And I and I I believe that, um, I believe moving forward, that's kind of what you know with the clients that i've adopted recently i've been telling them you know i'm i'm led i'm just doing the led and i explained to them that an led guy is like an me you know an me's there if something goes wrong if a fixture blows out or something like that he goes and fixes it after the show same thing with the led guy but they're there to go over to the rack and hit the switch to turn that lamp off so that it doesn't affect the series the, the you know the, 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 the other fixtures in that series so that, that's what I try to tell people is that LED guys are like MEs we're there in case something goes wrong right and you know yes some of us may have a video background or have video understanding but you know you really got to be focused on the LED because there's yeah. a lot of
1: points of failure and you don't want to be you know exactly. sitting behind a, a, a computer worrying about playback when something's flickering or something yes. goes out and that needs 100% of your dedication exactly Well, we'll put a link up for the article. I think it's, I think it's great. It kind of, it definitely stirred some dialogue because you kind (laughs) of went out there and you were like, you just went for it. You said, I'm I'm more of a lighting tech. And again, when I first saw it, I was like, eh, because I started thinking, well, you know, LED can be used scenically you know it can be used in a creative fashion it can also be used to replace a projector so to me that's like that's more video you know and Well, these are led these lights that we're using here everything's led but you would assume a projectionist is part of video yeah and that totally makes sense but i think led is really its own profession and it should be kind of isolated from everything else you should have a working knowledge of what's going on in video Right, but an but an Emmy that comes into the LED profession, they don't necessarily have to learn. They they're coming up a different era, a different way through the industry. Right. So if your pathway is through video and then you work your way up and you get into LED, okay, you're going to learn video along the way. Right. But if you start doing lighting and you're like, I want to do that. That looks really cool. Right. Well, then you shouldn't. You should just really be focused on an LED because there's plenty of troubleshooting that comes along with that.
0: Yeah. I agree, and th- the interesting thing is this. This conversation started between George and I one time when we were doing prep for a George show Ray? here. Yeah, George, uh, George Ray. Yeah. Um, we were sitting out there eating lunch, and uh, and George asked me. He goes, "So, what do you think LED guys are?" And I said, "LED guys are like lighting MEs." I said, "We're lighting people." He goes, "You're exactly right." And we started just bantering <laughs> back and he's forth. He's definitely on your side. I yeah, he's definitely. You know. And and you know, and I said to him, I said. Lighting has universes. LED has limited m- number of fixtures based on on uh, on pixels on uh, you know pixels for the uh, the Cat5. You know we just started going back and forth and exchanging basically the same ideas and, and same thought processes as far as uh, as LED and lighting.
1: Well, that's great. And that was so, a good yeah. impression of George, by the way. That was, <laughs> that was very that was very accurate. Um, so um, before we wrap up, you know, one, one thing that I, I hope people do are, that, that's done with this series is, you know, we all, uh, ultimately want to talk to techs, not just techs, you yeah. techs, but technicians, freelancers, <laughs> kind of tell their story, hear about what's going out in the field. We also want to inspire people to get into this industry because yeah. like you and me and everybody else, we all fall into this thing by accident. So hopefully people will share this with those that they think, hey, I know someone that would be really great for this industry or they might even like LED, I'm going to send them this video to kind of watch. It's only 30 minutes or so. So if you're talking to someone that doesn't know anything about our industry and is seeing this and is like, you know, this kind of seems cool, what would you, what kind of advice would you give them to get things started?
0: Well, I actually had this conversation with my daughter not that long ago Um, and she was saying, you know, daddy, it looks, looks kind of cool what you do. What, 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 what do you think about me getting into the industry? And the first thing I sold to her, told her, honey, is I said, you have to count the cost. I said, count the cost because I said, you know the times when I leave and when I come home. I said, we, in my kitchen we have, I, I took a portion of the wall and I used the black chalk paint and I painted like a chalkboard and I framed it out and it has my schedule on it and says daddy and it says dates and cities, dates and cities, wherever okay. I'm gonna be gone. And so the kids know, okay, daddy's going to be gone these dates, da da da, da so forth and so forth. I said I said are you willing to have that? I said you could get into the industry a lot younger than I did. I said you could start at 17, 18 years old. I said but being my daughter, you would have an advantage. I said but I'm going to make you start at the bottom. I'm going to make you push ca- push cases and coil cables and just like I had to. You know, I said you have to start at the bottom and work your way up. Your reputation precedes you. And I said, just count the cost about being, you know, eventually, are you going to want to get married? Are you going to want to have kids? And being in this industry, you can make really good money and do very well for yourself. However, when it comes time to possibly want to start a family or get married, are you going to be able to find something to transition into that's going to maintain, you know, your income level and, and be outside of the industry? And I told her, I said, I don't, want an, I don't want an answer from you. I said, I want you to think about that. Take some time to genuinely think about that. Is that something that you could handle? Uh, if it's a, young, a younger guy, if, you know, if my son wanted to get into the industry, I would tell him the same exact thing. Consider what could happen. I mean, you could, you could get into the industry here in Orlando and just stay in Orlando and make a very good living. I have a few friends that they've been in the industry and they stay in Orlando. And they do very well for themselves. That's, and that's, that's a good possibility as well.
1: Yeah, you have to figure out what works for you because what exactly. works for you in your 20s doesn't necessarily work with you in your 30s or 40s. And right. you almost have to take an inventory yourself and figure out, okay, which direction do I want to take my career exactly. in that makes more sense for where I am today. Because yeah, if you're talking to someone who's 19 years old that wants to do this, you're, you're gonna have a different conversation. Like Okay, you're gonna tell them, this is what you need to do for the next 10 years. Right. If, if I was giving you advice to say you need to work like crazy, live like you're poor live with your parents yep. and bank as much money as you can as humanly possible put that away and then start investing and invest in things that can get you out of the chair less so if you're going into your 30s and you love what you do but you're like i want to work 100 days a year instead of 150 well then make the investments that allow you to do those sort of things and that doesn't necessarily mean buying gear though you can do that it could just be investing in rental properties or investing in things that pay you back but if you're a freelancer and you're on the road all the time, you don't have to drive a fancy car if you're 24 years old. I drive, drive. a 13.
0: I drive a 13-year-old Infinity. Gets you to the airport and, and back on time, it, right? That it sees the airport most months and it sees my more than it sees my garage. I have no. I mean, I my I just bought a Jeep Wrangler for my wife because it's fun and you know I take my kids and we go mudding. Yeah. But she drives it. It's her car. You know, my car it stays at the airport. It's got a dent in the fender. I have no need to fix it. It, I just drive it. It's utility. Now, my motorcycles, it's a different story. They're very well taken care of. Yeah, exactly. But, um, but yeah, it, you're in, and I had that conversation with a young man in the industry, and his dad has been in the industry for a very long time. His, other, his two other brothers are in the industry. And we were on a show site, and he's like, you know, Tex, hey, I have a question for you. You know, told me the situation, and he said, what would you do? I said, if I was your age and I had the opportunity that you have, I said, stay at home with your parents. I said, live with them for another year or two. I said, bank 30, 40 grand. Yes. I said, go buy a house. I said, and then the, cause he was, he was contemplating moving out with a couple of friends and getting a, a, an apartment or a rental house. I said, then take those two, those two friends in two years from now, move them in with you and have them pay your mortgage. Charge them the kind of rent that will give you the least portion on the mortgage. And I said, then your point, you're paying only one third of your house. I said, they live with you four or five years, who knows, whatever, but you've got four or five years worth of mortgage payments that they made for you. It didn't come out of your pocket. And he's like, man, that's exactly what my dad said.
1: I'm like, That's what you have to do. He's your dad. In a way you're running a business. Exactly. So you kind of see yourself as a businessman. It's like you saw yourself as, I want to be the LED tech or I want to be that guy. It's like, well, then you, you kind of, you when you're a freelancer you become a business so it's like okay, oh yeah how do I run a better business how do I promote my brand how do I come become more financially um, independent and successful with and maybe allowing myself to have more free time what are the steps in place again things you don't normally think about when you're 22 years old right but it can set you up for a lot easier oh, life because as you were alluding to earlier you know you might get into an accident like something could happen to you and all of a sudden like if if you know doing this is what puts food on the table, and you mm-hmm. can't do that for a while. It's, okay, what's the what's the fallback plan? Oh, yeah. And a lot makes, of people don't think about that. It's just human nature. You just assume that you're invincible and nothing's going to happen. Oh,
0: especially when you're in your early 20s. You know, I'm
1: not going anywhere. Well, you in are invincible place. in your early 20s. <laughs> exactly. So,
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. But,
1: yeah. Well, Tex, thanks for coming in uh, and talking to me. Really cool. appreciate it, and uh, good luck with uh, the rest of your career endeavors.
0: Thank you, and I, I really do appreciate the opportunity, that the article, and, and being here on the podcast podcast and uh you know just want to send a shout out to the people that i mentioned earlier all the people that have helped me in the industry thank you very much and thank you tyler as well
1: awesome thanks thank dex you. Appreciate, appreciate
0: it, it.